Hi everyone, thanks again for tuning in to Daily Gospel Exegesis, and here we look at the Gospel reading from today's Mass, and we do an exegesis on the text. What was the original author trying to express to his original audience? That's always where we want to start. So that's what we do in this podcast, and today we're looking at John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. After hearing his doctrine, many of the followers of Jesus said, This is intolerable language. How could anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his followers were complaining about it and said, Does this upset you? What if you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh has nothing to offer. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the outset those who did not believe, and who it was that would betray him. He went on, This is why I have told you that no one could come to me unless the Father allows him. After this, many of his disciples left him and stopped going with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, What about you? Do you want to go away too? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the message of eternal life, and we believe. We know that you are the Holy One of God. So we're here right at the end, or towards the end of John chapter 6. And if you've been following in the last few days, you'll know that Jesus has been doing the Bread of Life discourse, and he's just finished the Bread of Life discourse. The last thing he said was that if they don't eat his flesh and blood, they will not inherit eternal life which is obviously a controversial teaching for them. So now, in today's reading, we get to hear the reaction of his hearers. Verse 60, after hearing his doctrine, so after hearing what he's just been teaching to them, keep in mind this is in the synagogue in Capernaum, many of the followers of Jesus, or more literally, many of his disciples. Now, this is important to point out. It's not the crowd that's struggling with what he's saying here. It's many of his own disciples that are struggling with what he said. That should tip us off as to uh, what the exact issue is. Because normally his disciples are okay to accept what he said, even if they don't fully understand it. But here, they really seem to be rejecting it. And this is what they say. This is intolerable language. Or as other translations put it, this is a hard saying. Something about what he said is very hard for them to accept. Now, it doesn't tell us what it is, but we'll talk about what the hard saying might be. Some translations have this as the disciples are murmuring, and that would call to mind the Israelites murmuring when they wandered in the desert and they complain against God. And they say, how could anyone accept it? So which part of Jesus' teaching, and that's a fair question because he's just listed, he's been talking for about 30 verses straight, which part of this are they struggling to understand? There's different views amongst Christians as to what this init- this group of disciples were struggling with. Many non-Catholic Christians would say that his disciples here are reacting against his whole teaching, the whole discourse about his identity. Because remember, the first half of the discourse was basically Jesus saying, I am the Son of God, come down from heaven. I am the bread of life. And that's essentially what he was saying at the start. And so many Christians would say that's what his disciples are struggling with. 
I think the evidence doesn't support that, though, because there's lots of places, particularly in the Gospel of John, where Jesus teaches really similar things about his identity. He often says, I am from the Father, I and the Father are one, I am from heaven. It's quite common for him to say that, but he never gets a strong reaction like that, uh, like we see here. And also notice what they say, what we've just seen in verse 60. This is a hard saying. So it's not this is a hard discourse. This is a hard saying. It sounds like there's one saying in particular, there's one particular thing that they're struggling with that he's said. In all likelihood, and this is how Catholics generally interpret this, it seems that his disciples are struggling with the new and unique teaching that he's presented here, something he's never taught before, which he's brought up for the first time in this discourse, which is that they must eat his flesh and blood in order to inherit eternal life. And as Catholics, we understand him to be talking about the Eucharist. They are struggling to accept this teaching of Jesus that you literally need to eat his flesh and blood if you want to inherit eternal life. And that should tip us off that they didn't interpret him to be talking spiritually because they haven't got a problem. It seems they usually haven't got a problem with this idea that he's from heaven. So it seems like they don't think he's talking about that when he's talking about flesh and blood. They think he's literally asking them to literally feed on his flesh and blood. And as Catholics, we would say, yes, that is what he's teaching. And yes, that is a hard teaching to accept. Verse 61, Jesus was aware that his followers were complaining about it. Or as other translations put this, Jesus knowing in himself. So there's kind of a supernatural mind reading knowledge here. He can somehow sense what they're saying. And that's how the catechism takes it as well. He says, does this upset you or do you take offense at this? Now, at this point, you think about it. This is the point at which Jesus could have watered down his teaching and taken a step back and said, okay, sorry, let me soften it for you because he can see that they're offended by it. But he doesn't do that. He actually challenges them. And this is what he says. In verse 62, he's about to use the term son of man. And in that culture, it just meant Messiah, basically. Some in the crowd believe he's the Messiah and others don't, but they all do believe in this son of man, Messiah figure that he's going to come at some point. So he says to them, what if you should see the son of man ascend to where he was before? Now, what does Jesus mean when he brings this up? Obviously, he's talking about his ascension, which will happen in the future. But in the context, why does he say it? There's two possible interpretations. He could be saying something like this. If you saw the Son of Man ascend back to heaven, would you then believe what I've said? So, in that case, he's bringing it up because he knows that he is going to ascend. And when that eventually happens, he wants the disciples to look back on this situation and remember what he said to them and realize that he was right all along. Or it could mean, if you can't believe that the Son of Man has taken flesh and is commanding you these things, how will you believe if he ascends again? So, it could have either meaning. Now, there is some sort of connection here to the Eucharist, though, from a Catholic perspective, because as Catholics, we believe the Eucharist is the glorified body of Jesus. And Jesus has just mentioned his ascension. And we believe that in the Eucharist, we're essentially getting his ascended body. So there is a connection there. Verse 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh has nothing to offer. So in context, Jesus is reiterating that in order to achieve eternal life, These people have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and his work through the Son. In other words, Jesus knows that his words 
are really difficult to accept from an earthly perspective. But he's asking them to have a spiritual faith, to have faith in what he's saying. Now, when Jesus says it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh has nothing to offer. He doesn't mean his own flesh and blood. Some Christians have said that Catholics shouldn't interpret the flesh and blood literally because Jesus here says the flesh has nothing to offer. But that doesn't really make sense because Jesus obviously believes, regardless of whether you think it teaches the Eucharist or not, Jesus clearly believes that his own flesh does have something to offer. In fact, just before this, he has said his flesh gives life to the world. So it's not the right interpretation to say that when Jesus says the flesh has nothing to offer, he's talking about his own flesh. Rather, he's using the word flesh here to mean earthly thinking. He's contrasting earthly thinking with spiritual thinking. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus is telling his followers and he's encouraging them that if they can accept his words and believe them, although they don't make earthly sense, they are of God and they will lead to eternal life. So Jesus here at this point is saying, I know that what I'm saying is hard to accept, particularly from an earthly perspective, but trust the Spirit's work, trust in these words that they will lead you to eternal life. He finishes by saying, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then John adds in this comment, for Jesus knew from the outset those who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. So John says that at this point, Jesus perceives that some in the crowd do not accept his words. And according to John, he's thinking particularly of Judas, the one who would betray him. And that makes sense because if Judas had truly believed what Jesus says here about his flesh and blood, he would not have betrayed him because he would have true faith. Verse 65, this is why I told you that no one could come to me unless the Father allows him. So this is something Jesus said earlier. No one can come to me unless the Father allows him. So Jesus acknowledges that this is a hard teaching. He knows it is. And he says, no one can accept this teaching unless they're prompted by God's grace. So again, Jesus is teaching that uh, his own teaching about flesh and blood in the Eucharist, if it's approached from an earthly perspective alone, it is too hard to accept. Jesus actually says that here. He says he knows that there's people in the crowd who haven't been moved by God's grace to accept it, and therefore they're going to struggle with it. This is important, and we need to acknowledge this as Catholics. The only way, because really, this belief that the Eucharist, the, the bread and wine, literally become Jesus' body and blood. That is pretty hard to accept from an earthly perspective. The only way we can come to accept that is when we're moved by God's grace. And that's exactly what Jesus teaches here. You cannot accept this teaching. You cannot come to me unless the Father draws you. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples left him and stopped going with him. This is a pretty sad phrase, isn't it? It's the only place in the Gospels where believers of Jesus leave him. There's other times when interested people or the crowds in general walk away, but this is the only spot where the believers of Jesus actually leave him. That should tell us that there's something really special about what he's just said. It's probably Jesus' most challenging teaching. He's teaching on the Eucharist that the Eucharist is literally his body and blood and we need to feed on it in order to inherit eternal life. So it's the hardest teaching, even for Christians, but Jesus does not try to soften it. If you're interested in more information about the Catholic teaching on the Eucharist, then I'd encourage you to look at the Catechism, which does 
an amazing job of explaining the Catholic teaching. So in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, around paragraph 1300 onwards, it lays out the Catholic teaching on the Eucharist. Let's continue verse 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, What about you? Do you want to go away too? So Jesus, he wants to see what his closest followers think about what has just happened. And in a sense, he's giving them the opportunity to leave if they want to. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered. Notice it's Peter that speaks up. He's as the leader of the twelve and as the future leader of the early church. He speaks on behalf of the others. He says, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the message of eternal life. Notice what Jesus, uh, what Peter is saying here. He is in effect saying something like this. Well, we don't really understand what you're saying, but we trust that you are the son of God and you are indeed the one whose message shows us the way to eternal life. So he knows that Jesus is the son of God and that he can give people eternal life, even if he doesn't fully grasp this teaching on the Eucharist. It, this is actually a great act of faith. He's trusting even though he doesn't fully understand. And that's an important message for us as well. We don't have to fully understand everything about God and everything that Jesus taught, although it's good to try to understand it, like we do in this podcast. Even if there's things we don't fully understand, Jesus asks us to trust anyway. Verse 69, Peter says, We believe, we know that you are the Holy One of God. So the Holy One of God, holy means to be set apart. So probably in this context, it means... We know that you are God's special messenger. In other words, they, Peter is saying, we know that you are the Messiah. But there's another way of looking at this phrase, the Holy One of God. It shows up in other places in the Gospels, and it's usually demons calling him the Holy One of God. Some scholars believe that since holiness is an attribute of God alone, when Peter calls Jesus the Holy One of God, he might in fact be professing that Jesus is divine in which case Peter has definitely been moved by God's grace. A lot of scholars see this as Peter's second great confession. So he does one great confession in Matthew 16 when he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And maybe this is his second one when he says, we know that you are the Holy One of God. Notice that Peter says, we believe. So he's speaking on behalf of the apostles. One thing that's important to point out about the apostles at this point, often the apostles get a really bad rap as in they're just really dumb, they just don't get anything. If we were in their position, we would totally get it. What you need to realize when you track the apostles through the Gospels is that the disciples gradually do realize that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. They accept that throughout the three years of Jesus' ministry. By the time Jesus dies they do actually believe he's the Messiah. We see that come up a couple of times. So they're pretty clear on his identity and they're okay to accept that. So it's not that they're ignorant and they need to be given credit for believing that Jesus is the Messiah because lots of other people at the time of Jesus didn't. The issue with the disciples was not his identity. They understood Jesus' basic identity, but they didn't fully understand some of his teachings and they didn't fully understand what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. So they knew his identity, they just didn't fully understand it. If we can keep that perspective in mind about the apostles, it'll help us avoid these statements like the apostles didn't understand anything about Jesus. Now, we finish there today, verse 69. There's actually two more verses in John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71. 
However, these are two verses that never appear in the lectionary. You will never hear verse 70 and 71 at Mass. So we're going to look at those two verses as a special bonus podcast episode for Patreon supporters. So if you want to hear an exegesis of verse 1771, that will be available to you via Patreon if you do decide to become a monthly supporter of the podcast. And I'd ask you to prayerfully consider that because there are these amazing benefits. From here on, we would go to John chapter 7. John chapters 7, 8, and 9 are read during week 4 and 5 of Lent. So you can go back and look through the podcast archives to find those. Week week 4 and 5 of Lent has chapters 7 to 9. However, even then, it's only snippets of John chapter 7. Most of John chapter 7, we don't get to hear at Mass. So if you're interested in trying to follow John through chronologically and you want to hear an exegesis of John chapter 7... You won't get to as part of the normal podcast, but again, if you become a supporter of the ministry, I'm going to post a special episode going through the missing parts of John chapter 7. So there's a link in the show notes if you would like to consider becoming a supporter of the podcast and getting access to that. Now let's have a look at some catechism references which refer to this last part of the Eucharistic discourse. Paragraph 1336 is about the signs of bread and wine. The first announcement of the Eucharist divided the disciples, just as the announcement of the Passion scandalized them. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? The Eucharist and the cross are stumbling blocks. It is the same mystery, and it never ceases to be an occasion of division. Will you also go away? The Lord's question echoes through the ages, as a loving invitation to discover that only He has the words of eternal life and that to receive in faith the gift of his Eucharist is to receive the Lord himself. So there the Catholic Church tells us that when Jesus says to the apostles here, will you also go away? It's actually a question for us as well. Do we believe what he said about the Eucharist? Paragraph 473, there's a discussion there about how Jesus is able to read minds. He has divine penetration into human hearts, and we see that certainly in John chapter 6 here. Paragraph 2766 is in the Lord's Prayer, and it's a discussion about what the purpose of the Lord's Prayer is. It says, Jesus does not give us a formula to repeat mechanically. As in every vocal prayer, it is through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit teaches the children of God to pray to their Father. Jesus not only gives us the words of our filial prayer, at the same time he gives us the Spirit by whom these words become in us, Spirit and Life. And of course, spirit and life there echoes what Jesus says about his own words in John chapter 6. And then finally, paragraph 438 is about Christ, and it makes a link to what John chapter 6 said about Jesus being the Holy One of God. Paragraph 438 says, Jesus' messianic consecration reveals his divine mission. For the name Christ implies he who is anointed, and he who was anointed, and the very anointing with which he was anointed. The one who anointed is the Father, the one who was anointed is the Son, and he was anointed with the Spirit, who is the anointing. His eternal messianic consecration was revealed during the time of his earthly life at the moment of his baptism by John, when God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, that he might be revealed to Israel as its Messiah. His works and words will manifest him 
as the Holy One of God. So we'll leave it there for today. If you learn something new, please continue to share this around with others. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.